know you're not under arrest. No, no, you haven't broken any laws. You're, you're not in any kind of legal problem. But I just thought that music was so appropriate to a new show that we are going to introduce today. Hi, everybody. This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast for Tuesday, April the 13th, 2021. And on Tuesdays, we play an old-time radio drama. And tonight, we are, tonight, today, we are going to play an episode of Defense Attorney, which was a popular ABC show. It was only on for the 1950-1951 season, but it starred Mercedes McCambridge, who was absolutely one of the finest radio actresses that there was. And we'll talk a little bit about her at the end of the show. But she really shines as the defense attorney who, well, actually, I made a little few notes here. Let me get my notes up. Uh, Defense Attorney was a hard-hitting radio drama that had a unique twist. The title character was a woman, which was not common in 1950. You did not have a lot of women defense attorneys. Attorney Martha Ellis Bryant, portrayed by the very talented Mercedes McCambridge, begins each episode restating the oath that she took that she would defend the defenseless. In most episodes, her clients were usually innocent. They found themselves in extremely difficult legal situations, even on death row. But once Bryant is convinced of their innocence and their sincerity... She goes on to work to overturn every stone in her way in order to right the wrong and to free her innocent clients. This 1950-51 program is filled with atmosphere and concerns of the era. There are contemporary stories about teenagers and hot rods, about the ever-present communist threat of the era, and even stories involving racial tension. Orson Welles once called Mercedes McCambridge the greatest living radio actress. And she is joined by uh, Howard Culver, who plays her fiancé, Judd Barnes, who is a reporter and often uses his investigative skills to help her in her, uh, in her cases. So let's go to March the 13th, 1952, for an episode of Defense Attorney. And the name of this episode is Thomas Richards. Now, the episodes always use the client's name. So technically, I guess you would say the name of this episode was Client Thomas Richards. All right, here it comes. And I think you're really going to like this show. Defense Attorney. Ladies and gentlemen. To depend upon your judgment and to fulfill my own obligation, I submit the facts. Fully aware of my responsibility to my client and to you as defense attorney. And now we proudly present Miss Mercedes McCambridge as defense attorney. Martha Ellis Bryant chose law as a career, she accepted the challenge of defending the defenseless. Thomas Richards was a parolee from the state penitentiary, a young man who desired his freedom with no attachments. 
trapped in a web of circumstances beyond his control, he was again in the arms of the law. You know what living down in solitary is like? Did you ever sleep on a cement floor with no bedding for a week on bread and water? You bet your life I'm not going back there. Yes, Tom Richards was one of the defenseless. And now the curtain rises on Act One of tonight's defense attorney story as Velma Richards, Tom's young wife, fear written on her face, panic in every step, enters the office of Martha Ellis Bryant. Miss Bryant? Oh, yes? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you come in. I, I, I wouldn't bother you, only... I, I'm at the end of my rope. I read in the papers how you always help people. I hope maybe you could do the same for us. If you could. If you only could. Well, but what is your name? Velma. Velma Richards. Tom's in trouble. There seems to be no way out. Well, why don't you sit down, Velma, and tell me who Tom is? Well, Tom's my husband. And they won't leave him alone. They've driven him half out of his mind. Yes, I realize that you're quite upset, Velma, but you're going to have to try to be a little more coherent. Who won't leave Tom alone? The parole officer. The parole officer? Yes, Mr. Norton. Please, please, Tom's fine. He's good. Yes, I'm, I'm sure he's good. Now, uh, why was Tom sent to jail? Well, it, it wasn't his fault. Bill Edwards, his best friend, got him to write a check. We didn't have enough in the bank to cover it. Bill was supposed to make it good. Only he didn't. That's a very familiar story. Has your Tom been in trouble with the law before? Never. Well, we didn't have any money for a lawyer, so they gave us a public defender. He told us not to worry, that since it was a first offense, the worst that could happen would be probation. And naturally, you believed him. What else could we do? And then the probation officer came and told Tom... If he pleaded guilty, he would guarantee that he would talk to the judge and arrange everything. Velma, who was the judge? Judge Noel Harris. Oof. He gave Tom one to five years. We looked for our lawyer, but he was gone. I asked the probation officer how this was possible. He promised. He told me he was sorry. And then they led Tom off to jail. They wouldn't even give him time to say goodbye. Velma, tell me, how large a check did your husband write? $72. $72. Bill Edwards paid it back later. I wrote a letter to the judge, begging him to show mercy. And so did Bill. Was that before or after sentencing? Before. Are you positive? Yes. Father Devlin wrote, too. So did Tom's boss. It didn't help. I see. And, uh... How did Tom break his parole? It isn't very hard, you know. All you have to do is cross the county line, not the state line. The county line. And when you're hungry, you'll do anything. And where is Tom now? Hiding from the parole officer. They're looking all over for him. They've been watching the house. Tom wants to beat it out of the state. And you're going to go with him? Yes, wherever he goes, I go. Velma, listen to me. I can't blame you for wanting to be with your husband. I certainly can't blame you for being bitter and for hating the whole world. But running away isn't going to accomplish anything. How long do you think it would take for the police to catch up with you? And then what? More years added to an already long sentence? Oh, no, don't do that. What else is there to do? Well, Tom must turn himself in voluntarily. He won't do it. 
You don't know what it means. Delma, you've got to face this thing and not run away from it. And anyhow, there's always a chance. Not for us. Where is Tom hiding? He, he told me not to tell. But you came to me for help, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to give it to you. Where is he? Joe's bar on Fifth Street. It's a nice old song. Yeah. You mind if I sit here next to you? I don't care what you do, sister, just so long as you don't bother me. Okay, Tom. What's that? You are Tom Richards, aren't you? What do you want? I'm Martha Ellis Bryant. I'm an attorney. I just left your wife. Look, Miss Bryant, I'm not interested in lawyers. I got my belly full with the last one. How old are you, Tom? What difference does that make? You look old enough to be a man, but you're behaving like a child. I'm not interested in lectures or advice. Tom, you're going to turn yourself in. Just like that, huh? Just like that. You're going downtown and report to the parole officer. You got another guest coming. I spent 16 months in stir on a raw rap. Nothing's going to make me go back. Who says you're going back? Look, don't give me that. Tom, I came down here to try to help you. Thank you. I'll figure my own life out. All right. But while you're at it, you better stop and consider what happens to Velma. She'll be all right. Tom, I know what's on your mind. And believe me, running away isn't the answer. No? No. Now, why don't you stop kidding yourself? How much money have you got? That's my business. You're not going to get very far without money. You're going to need a car. The police will be looking for you at every railroad and bus depot. I'll get a car. Don't worry. How? Look, I learned a lot of things in stir. I never thought I'd get to use them. And you won't either. You're not the type. No? I did 16 months for $72. This time I'll give them something to remember me by. I tried to do things on the square, but they wouldn't let me. They're asking for no, it. No, they're not asking for it. You are, Tom. You see, I've checked. And you're up for pardon. Now, don't do anything that will hurt your chances. Well, I'm tired of waiting. Three months is long enough. I'm sick of hearing at the moment the governor is indisposed. He'll always be indisposed. No, not if the facts are presented to him properly. I'll go to him for you. Well, I'm not taking any chances. Once the parole officer gets his hands on me, to throw those keys away. How can you be so sure without first talking to the guy? Tom, you've only committed a minor infraction. He's sure to give you every benefit of the doubt. <laughs> you don't know Mr. Norton. Look, I can't take any more of his kicking around. I can't stand going out looking for a job and being forced to tell a boss I'm an ex-con, not to trust me. That's, that's no use. And how will running away help? All right. Maybe this will convince you. In jail. I, I had an abscessed tooth. My jaw was way out to here. I waited two months, two months for the dentist. When I complained, I landed downstairs in solitary. You like it? No, not very much. Ever tried pulling out a tooth with your fingers while the pain's driving you out of your mind? Mm. Ever sleep on a cement floor with no bedding for a week on bread and water? You bet your life I'm not going back there. But you lived through that, Tom. Sure, so you lived through nightmares. Elma and I are quitting this place, and you or anybody else isn't going to stop us. But you're not going to make jail alone this time, Tom. Velma will have to go, too, for complicity. Well, she doesn't have that coming to her, does she? And neither do you. 
Well, why don't you give me a chance to prove that you're an all right guy, deserving of a break? Tom, all I need is a little time. I'll go see Judge Harris. Sorry. Don't think I don't appreciate what you're trying to do, but it's no use. Velma's meeting me here at one, and then... Can't you understand? It's our only chance. I hope you'll forgive the intrusion, Judge Harris, but this is a matter of vital importance. How can I help you, Miss Bryant? Well, I'm here on behalf of a boy you sentenced quite a while ago, Thomas Richards. Do you remember him? Richards? Vaguely. Yes, you gave him one to five years for a first offense. Insufficient funds to cover a $72 check. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, I certainly hope he's learned his lesson. A jail sentence can be very helpful, you know. I won't argue that jail sentences aren't necessary. Every man should pay for his crime, but I'm concerned with what happens to this boy now. He's broken parole. He crossed the county line so that he and his wife could eat. I'm terribly sorry, Miss Brandt, but that's not my concern. He's your charge. Until his parole is completed. What would you have me do? Call off the parole officer, rescind the order for arrest, and let him go where he can get a job and lead an honest life. Miss Bryant, I will not interfere with due process of law. When a parolee violates his trust, he then must suffer the consequences. However, you have my permission to attempt to dissuade the parole officer from his course. If you can, I shall be guided by his judgment. You're very kind. I... uh... I'm sorry I have to end our conversation so abruptly, but I'm chairman for a luncheon at the Drake Hotel, a meeting of the Bar Association, of which the governor is guest of honor. I have quite a bit of work to prepare. Yes, I'm sure you have. I'd I'd like to ask a favor. Yes? May I have your file on this case? I don't see how it can help matters. But it can, very much. So far as I'm concerned, the case is closed, Miss Bryant. You may subpoena them, however. That is your privilege. But that would take days. I've only got hours. I am sorry, Miss Bryant. a question, Mr. Norton? Up till now, has Tom Richards' record been clear? Yes, I'd say so. And if he returned voluntarily, would you give him extra consideration? Yeah. What do you mean by extra? Would you drop your proceedings against him and don't block his prospects of getting a pardon by returning him to jail? I'm sorry. I couldn't do that. Why couldn't you do that? I have my rules to go by. Make an exception for one parolee. They all expect the same treatment. Mr. Norton, all Tom Richards did was to make one mistake in his life, and he paid for it. Well, how long does he have to go on paying for it? Miss Bryant, I didn't sentence him. I only carry out my orders. But there's such a thing as treating a person humanely. The boy isn't a murderer, after all. Either you give him a break, or you force him to leave the jurisdiction of this state. You force him to become a hunted criminal. That won't happen. You needn't worry. Yes, I'm very worried. We've already caught Tom Richards. (laughs) Wasn't very difficult after we trailed his wife to your office and then followed you to that bar. And now you're really going to give it to him, aren't you? He's got it coming to him. All the trouble he's making. What do you mean, all the trouble he's making? Why, he broke away from my men, and he headed for the top of the Triton building. He's perched on a ledge there now, threatening to jump if anyone comes close to him. Mr. Norton, how far can you drive a man? It's of his own making. No one to blame but himself. All he had to do was follow the rules. That's very interesting. I always thought the rules were written to help people. That it was your job to have sympathy and understanding. I have, Miss Bryant. I have, when they stay in line. Eh, right now I'm going down to the Triton building. Would you care to come along? You bet I'm going along. 
I have a feeling that boy's going to need a lot more help than he's going to get from you. How are you, Inspector? I'm sorry, Marty. I can't let you up here. Man on that ledge threatening to jump. Yes, he's my client. Oh, okay. Mrs. Bryant. Mrs. Bryant. No, no, Velma. He's going to be all right, please. You've got to control yourself. I'm going to try to talk to him. You stay here. You're behaving like a fool, Tom. Stay away, Norton. Now, boy, I'm only trying to be your friend. I'm giving it to you straight. Now, you get off that ledge and come over here, and I promise I'll forget that you broke the rules. Hmm? How about it? I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Velma? Velma's over there, Tom. I'd like to speak to him alone, if you don't mind, Mr. Norton. All right. Maybe you can hammer some sense in his head. Well? What do you want, Miss Bryant? Don't start selling me anything. If I die, Velma gets the insurance policy. If I live, she starves while I rot in jail. Velma doesn't care about the money, Tom. It's you. Now, come on back off of that ledge. You know, it's funny. Fortune teller told me I had a long lifeline. Guess she was wrong, huh? She didn't know you can't fight City Hall. Tom, legally, we've got a chance. The governor's in town. I'm going to see him. Forget it. See that clock on the tower? When it hits one. I told you before I was checking out a one, didn't I? All right, what are you doing now? Why are you walking towards me? Get back, Tom, come on. I'm your friend. Now, look, I don't trust anybody. Get back. Tom, I'm trying to help you. Don't take another step. Now, don't try to touch me. Don't try to touch me now. I'm going to jump. All right, all right. I won't come any further. Velma. Where's Velma? I'll get Velma for you. Rough, isn't it, Molly? Oh, poor kid. I got my men working as fast as they can down below. I sure hope he doesn't jump before we spread that safety net. You've got till one o'clock, Matt. No later. Miss Bryant, I'm frightened. I'm frightened. I saw what happened. What is there to do? You won't give up, Velma. You go over and talk to him. It's no use. He won't listen You're to me. You're the only person he believes. There is somebody else who can help him. And I'm going after him. Inspector, I'll be at the Drake Hotel. <laughs> Marty, and I was here at the hotel. Well, Judson, am I glad to see you. Even after I stood you up for lunch? I've been trying to phone you all morning and tell you I'd be late. I was assigned to cover the governor's speech at the bar association. Yeah, I know. What floor are they on? The mezzanine. Hey, you're not even disappointed. No, we'll, let's get in the elevator and we can discuss all that later. All right. Uh, mezzanine, please. Judson, have they called on the governor yet? Why do you think I was in the lobby smoking a cigarette? I have a copy of a speech if you want. How long has he been on? Offhand, I'd say about ten pages. Got 15 more to go. Which should take about 20 more minutes. Well, it's too bad I'm going to have to disturb him. Huh? Marty, honey, you're losing your marbles. You're talking about the governor of the state. Yeah, well, it can't be helped, that's all. Which dining room are they in? Why, why, that one over there. What's this all about? Saving a life. Judd, help me, will you? Sure, honey. What do you want? I don't have time to subpoena a file legally. I want you to go to Judge Harris's office and get the folder on Thomas Richards. I don't care how you do it. Just get it. It's evidence that I need to convince the governor in hurry. Okay, but don't you think it'd be a good idea if you told me where you'd like it delivered? The Triton building on the roof. I'll get going. We've only got till one o'clock. 
dear. Excuse me, please. Could I get through here? I'm sorry. Excuse me, please. Excuse me. You must admit there are those who would for personal Excuse me, please. Miss Bryant, what are you doing up here on the day? Judge Harris, I'm afraid I'm going to have to disturb his excellence. This is outlandish. But it's very urgent. Mr. Governor, if I may intrude. What's that? Uh, you'll pardon us, gentlemen. Young lady, how dare you, young lady? I dare as an attorney. With a client who needs your help desperately, you're the only one who can save his life. Courtesy demands that you at least wait until I was finished. Forgive me, Your Excellency. You must forgive me. But when a boy is standing on the ledge of a 25-story building ready to jump, I find it very easy to forget social amenities. I beg you to come with me, Your Excellency. And you too, Judge Harris. Thomas Richards is very much on your conscience. Mr. Governor, Inspector. Is the safety net up yet? No, Marty, the rigging broke down. But his wife's been doing a great job talking to him, trying to calm him down. Good. Will you follow me, Mr. Governor, Judge Harris? I would not be coerced, young lady. I will not permit the drama of the situation to take advantage no of No one me. is going to try to coerce you, sir. I believe the situation will speak for... Tommy, remember all the plans Over there are two have? young people. About how we're going to have a place of our own They're someday. nice people. With a garden? A Worthy of the pursuit of happiness? And they're Those being deprived of that liberty. You, you, you got to believe it, too. I wish I could. You were always one for fancy dreams, Velma. I don't blame you. Maybe sometimes you have to dream to pretend that life isn't so miserable. Tommy, I'm not pretending. I need you. Forget me, I told you. Just a bad dream that came into your life. That dream that'll fade with a little time. There's your Tommy, hardened criminal, sir. He made the fatal error of committing a crime against society. He wrote a check with insufficient funds for $72, for which he's paid very dearly. 16 months and parole, and for which he is now about to pay with his life. Excuse me, Marty. Here's the file you were looking for. Oh, thank you, Judd. And Mr. Norton, may yeah. I ask you a question? Uh, of course. Do you treat all your parolees alike? Oh, I do not differentiate among them. In other words, it doesn't matter to you whether a man's background is murder or just petty crime. They're all accorded the same treatment. That's correct. Hasn't it ever occurred to you that each case is different, requires special handling? Why? That Tom Richard's problem shouldn't have been guided by rules, but by warmth and by a little human consideration. Miss Bryant, Mr. Norton is not on trial. Oh, but he is, more so than Tom Richard's. Mr. Norton, how many times did you call Tom's prospective employers to advise that he was an ex-convict and that he wasn't to be trusted near money? You don't have to answer that. But why don't you tell us who forced him out on that ledge? Who prevented him from a livelihood so that he had to break one of your rules? Fortunately for lots of people, there are parole officers with vision and with a regard for their fellow man. They're lucky. I don't see the point to all this. If you're trying to create sympathy... I am merely trying to bring out facts. Right now, I'd like to hear from Tom Richards, if you will follow me. Tom, please. Will you tell us why it took you 16 months to get out of jail, rather than the prescribed year? What's the use? I don't have much more time Please, Tom, please. This is important. Well, they've got an honor system in the jail I was in. Make the honor roll. You get extra privileges. 
Honor roll. That's a laugh. You have to be a stool pigeon. Well, I wasn't reared that way. All my life, I was led to believe you mind your own business. I got four months tacked onto me because I wasn't hip. I was a fall guy for another inmate. I, I was working the kitchen shift and didn't get time to eat my dinner, and he advised me to take it to myself. Before I even got there, he reported me for breaking the rules. He made the honor roll. <laughs> oh, God, leave me alone now. I want to say goodbye to Velma. Yes, thank you, Tom. Now, Judge Harris, this file of Tom Richards was taken from your office without subpoena. Why? You forced me into that action. And inside this file are letters written to you before Tom Richards' trial. Listen to them. There's this one. This is from his wife. My husband deserves your help. Please. This one from his parish priest. I sincerely recommend that you give every consideration to this boy. And from Bill, his friend for whom he wrote the check. If there is any blame, I should be punished. You mustn't hurt Tom. And from his employer, Tom Richards has great integrity, and above all, he is honest. I earnestly plead for your clemency. Miss Bryant, I grant that I received those letters. So what? Your Honor, when a judge receives correspondence that is biased, isn't it customary for him to disqualify himself from the case? Well, it has happened. However, it is not mandatory. Judge Harris, in my opinion, you're a brilliant jurist. Nobody doubts your honesty. And knowing this, may I not assume that you resented these letters as trying to influence your judgment? I must admit yes to your question. Yes, and may I not also assume that because of your integrity, you were predisposed to throw the book at Tom Richards to sentence him to the limit of the law? That is true. Your Honor, Tom Richards had nothing to do with the sending of those letters. There was no reason for him to be punished unduly because of your integrity. The most he should have received was a suspended sentence with probation for the first offense. Going to jail was wrong, Your Honor. And the parole was doubly wrong, Your Honor. And now this... Miss Bryant, how may I help? There's a pardon on your desk, Mr. Governor. But right now it's more important that you reassure this boy. Very well. Let's go to him. Tom. Tom, this is the governor. And you can believe what he says. Listen to him, Tommy. Listen to him. Yes, listen, son. Uh, on my desk is the petition for your pardon. It requires only my signature. Now, you come to my office with me and I'll sign it. Maybe it's wrong to believe. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing again. Well? I always keep my word. However, I should like you to know that... My decision to aid you was not based on the fear that you might have jumped from that ledge. Anyone who would resort to suicide of necessity is a coward. The facts, as eloquently displayed by Miss Bryant, were on your side. And, uh, Judge Harris, I submit that it is often wise to temper integrity with sympathy and understanding. All right, son. Let's go sign that pardon. Oh, Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Just look at him, Marty. Mm-hmm. You ever seen so many happy tears in your life? No, Justin. Honey. Darling, you're crying, too. Sure I am. This is pretty... Yeah. I know. 
Gee, it must be a real thrill to know you've contributed to the future of their lives. Given them another chance. You ought to be pretty thrilled yourself, sweetie. Without that file, I could have gotten nowhere. Hey, that's right. But, Marty, there's one thing I want to ask. Mm-hmm. With Judge Harris having all that integrity, who goes to jail for lifting that file? You do, darling. What? But don't worry. I'll be right there to defend you. You have just heard Defense Attorney starring Mercedes McCambridge with Howard Culver as Judd. Tonight you heard Eddie Firestone as Tom, Gene Bates as Velma, Larry Dobkin as Norton, and Parley Bear as Judge Harris. Music was composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Defense Attorney was written by Jack Rubin. The program is directed by Dwight Hauser. another exciting adventure with Mercedes McCambridge, defense attorney. Be sure to listen. This is Mercedes McCambridge, reminding you that Ted Mack is standing by now to bring you the original amateur hour. Be sure to stay tuned. This program came to you from Hollywood. America is sold on the American Broadcasting Company. That was uh, defense attorney. And that was the case of Thomas Richards, or the Thomas Richards case, as the case may be. And that was first broadcast March 13th, 1952 on ABC. I think earlier I said that uh, the show ran from 50 to 51. Actually, it was 51 to 52. My my mistake. Just a little bit about Mercedes McCambridge. She was a uh, Chicago area girl. She came from Joliet, Illinois, born in 1916. She left us in uh, March of 2004. She died down in uh, La Jolla, California. Uh, best known, I guess, for her movie roles. She won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in All the King's Men. That was the Broderick Crawford vehicle about Huey Long. Uh, She was also nominated for the same category in the movie Giant in 1956. And uh, she was also... (laughs) She she played the voice of the... the, uh, little girl that was possessed in in the movie The Exorcist. I never saw The Exorcist, but we've all seen those scenes of that raspy, horrible voice. She she did that, and I think she did that uncredited at the time, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, she started in radio in 1939. She, she was uh, started off in New York because she was doing a lot of Broadway stuff. She played Judy's girlfriend in the radio show A Date with Judy. She was in uh, episodes of Lights Out, Inner Sanctum, Bulldog, Drummond, Gangbusters, Murder at Midnight, Studio One, Screen Directors Playhouse, Ford Theater. I know her best, I think, from I Love a Mystery. And she was in, uh, you know, they did a lot of shows on the West Coast in the uh, late 30s, early 40s. And then they took those same scripts and redid them 10 years later on the East Coast. And she was in both. She was in both the West Coast and East Coast uh, productions. And most notably, she played both the flight attendant and the character Charity Martin in I Love a Mystery, The Thing That Cries in the Night. That was a, what was it, an 18 episode story. Uh, she also played in Bury Your Dead, Arizona, which was the, the next play after that. 
She played Nasha and Laura. And then she played Sonny Richards in The Million Dollar Curse and The Temple of the Vampires. And then she played Jacqueline Dempsey or Jack Dempsey in The Battle of the Century. All of those were were um, I Love a Mystery stories that we have played over the years on, on our shows. Uh, she frequently appeared in CBS Mystery Theater. She did a lot of television work, a lot of movies. There was something else I thought was interesting about her. Oh, she was married twice. And one time was to Fletcher Markle, who is also well-known in, uh, in radio. So anyway, uh, Mercedes McCambridge, she was a real, real talent. And I just love hearing her work, her radio work. And uh, Defense Attorney was the one show that she was, it was a starring vehicle for her. So uh, we're more than happy to play episodes, and we have several others in our file. friends that is going to kick things in the head for uh, Tuesday this is uh, April the 13th 2021 and we hope you enjoyed defense attorney like I said we will play other uh, other episodes in the weeks ahead tomorrow we'll all join back together here and sing kumbaya and listen to an old-time radio mystery so we hope that you come back and join us uh, 1952 was the year of this uh, show, and so I went back through our archive of 1952 hit songs, and this one was by uh, Doris Day. And it, I remember this song from when I was a kid, and I always loved it. And so that's what we're going to go out with tonight. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by. And I'm so glad you met me.
like a good girl should He followed me up the stairs like I knew he would Because a guy is a guy wherever he may be So listen and I'll tell you what this fella did to me I stepped to my door like a good girl should He stopped at my door like I knew he would Because a guy is a guy wherever he may be So listen while I tell you what this fella did to me He asked me for a goodnight kiss I said it's still good day I would have told him more Except his lips got in the way So I talked to my mom That's what he did to me.